Well, we continue uh, today a series in Paul's letter to the Philippians, and we're kind of like halfway-ish in that series. If you're joining us for the first time, we're in the kind of the middle part of chapter two today as the text we'll be looking at. But you can see it's a series titled Partners in Grace, and that's, uh, the title is based on the, the kind of special relationship that Paul had with this church. He referred to their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. So really probably with uh, more than with any other church that Paul planted, he had this unique friendship. And, and that's the word uh, you translated partnership there. The Greek word is koinonia, which really means fellowship. So what they had was this friendship in the message of Jesus that was quite profound and, and quite unique. Uh, so uh, again, today we're looking at the middle of chapter two. So before we read the scripture, let me pray for us. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your word. Uh, We know it to be your word by the inner witness of your spirit within us. Uh, We know that you're up to something good, up to something special in these texts. And we know that it's not like any other book. We know that by your spirit again. so, So now we pray that you would pour out that same Holy Spirit on us to enliven us, to, to open our minds and hearts, our, our lives even, to receive what you have. Please help us in that, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Steve. He's doing double duty today. He's going back to the nursery. <laughs> Thanks, brother. <laughs> so uh, the Apostle Paul really likes the word therefore. You've noticed this if you've been around the scripture a bit. He has, he has a legal mind. He makes these uh, building arguments. And whenever there's a therefore in the text, we have to look at what came before to figure out what He's trying to say. So the verses just before those we read this morning uh, were those about God exalting Jesus to the highest place because he humbled himself and became obedient to death. They were, it was the last part of the passage from last week. Here they are again. Therefore God exalted him, Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then, the first verse from today, therefore, 
my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to obey. So here's the logic. Because Jesus was exalted to the highest place, because the name of Jesus is the name that is above all other names, because every knee will bow at the name of Jesus, because every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord, because all of those things are true, says Paul, the Philippians should continue to obey God. Of course, we should too, right? Because all of those things are true. Obedience is a big theme in the Bible. If, if you're familiar with the New Testament, think of the parable of the wise and foolish builders. Remember this one? It's like the one built their house on a rock, and when the storm came, it was solid, but one built on sand, and when the storm came, the house fell down because it was built on on sand. And do you remember the distinguishing feature between the two? It's not whether or not a person heard the word of Jesus. The distinguishing feature is whether a person put into practice the word of Jesus. So it's not just knowing stuff. It's, it's doing it. it. It's aligning your life Uh, to what it is that we say we believe. Obedience, big, big theme in the Bible. Think about these scriptures. The Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey. Don't just know it. Don't just think well of Jesus. Follow Jesus. That's the thing. Jesus said this, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. Or this from Romans, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Many, many more passages about obedience. Just, you know, bring up Bible Gateway and put in obey and you'll get over 200. I mean, it's it's everywhere in the Bible, obedience. Now, all this talk about obedience kind of makes God sound like a a dictator wanting to keep us under his thumb and our our primary role being to avoid wrongdoings uh, so as not to alienate God and we kind of operate in fear. That's not the biblical picture at all. I mean, biblically, obedience is not a begrudging duty but a living of daily life in line with who we've been declared to be in Jesus. That's all obedience. It's not because, it's not the wagging, you should, you should, you should. It's a, a, you're invited, you're invited, you're invited to live as the person you really are. And by the way, there's a lot more life in that direction. Jesus came to give us life and life to the full, right? Um, and, and all this, not because we have to, but because the Holy Spirit creates in us a new desire to follow God actively by, by obeying him. See, the gospel reveals that God has our best interest in mind, that God is good and loves you, me, loves people, wants the best for us. So the things that please God, the thing that God desires, are also the things that are good for us. That's why obedience is really the path to greatest life. And we start to see this in some other Bible verses on obedience. Look at this from 1 John. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. You know, when you obey God by following Jesus more actively, you understand God's love more deeply. 
and you realize that this path, which is probably a path different than we would try to figure out on our own, is actually way better than anything we could have manufactured on our own. Here's another one from 1 John. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So obedience is a big deal in the Bible. And, and Paul starts here with the Philippians. He encourages them to continue to obey God even when Paul's not around. And he explains what that obedience looks like. And here it is again. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to, we're expecting the word obey, but he nuances it a little bit. He, he defines what obedience looks like. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He tells the, the Philippians to get to work on their salvation. Now, this doesn't mean that we work to get our salvation. And, and those of us who've been around the church for any amount of time understand that the basic message of Jesus says something different. This is kind of Christianity 101. God came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And in Jesus, we receive the gift of a reconciled relationship with God. Uh, here's one of the key verses in the Bible on that. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So new life, gift from God, not something we accomplish. Reconciliation in our relationship with God, gift from God, not something we accomplish. And we are called to work and work hard at working this thing out in our daily life. Specifically, I love what one commentator said about this, the way he phrased it. In your relationships with one another, live out the salvation Christ has brought you. Or put another way, be the people of God in the world and continue working on that. Don't settle for a plateau. We often take this part of the passage, I think, as, as an individual command. You work out your salvation, right? And we miss the corporate implication. I think both sides of this are actually really important. I mean, individually, it is true. There's nobody responsible for me other than me, my spouse won't do this for me. My parents won't do this for me. There's no one else responsible for me other than me. Uh, do you remember that strange, uh, almost seemingly mixed message in Galatians? Paul tells us to bear one another's burden, uh, burdens. And then just a few verses down, he says, everybody has to carry their own load. <laughs> you ever notice that? What a strange thing. Help each other with your loads. Uh, everybody's got to carry their own load. And there's just a great truth here. Uh, that, that second one, everybody's got to carry their own load, the word referred to a pack assigned to every Roman soldier, that that soldier was assigned to carry themselves. They helped with other common burdens, but there's part of this life uh, that only we can carry for ourselves. And you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You are responsible for implementing this thing in, in daily life. But corporately, we're also called to the hard work of one anothering in the church. Do you know, do you know these commands, the one anothering commands in the Bible? Uh, they're, they're, they're commands for Christians and how we're to be with one another so as to be a witness uh, for the world. 
Uh, here, here are some of them. Romans 15, accept one another. Encourage and build up one another. 1 Thessalonians 5, carry one another's burdens. There's that one from Galatians 6. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Hebrews 10, confess sin to and pray for one another. James 5, teach and admonish one another. Colossians 3, submit to one another. Ephesians 5, bear with one another. That's a good one for us all the time, isn't it? Especially when times feel divided and conflicted. Bear with one another. Stick with it, with other people with whom you might kind of disagree. It's Ephesians 4, by the way. And forgive one another. Colossians 3. And then the big overarching one, straight from the lips of Jesus, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that that last thing Jesus said really gets to the point of of the corporate responsibility of working out our salvation. See, the, the command Paul gives is to work out our salvation Uh, in the believing community for the sake of the world. We're called to work out our salvation in the believing community, that's us, for the sake of the world. So what that means is John's relationship with Brian matters for the world, not just for the two of us. This means that John's relationship with Greg matters for the world, not just for the two of us. It's the working out of our salvation in the believing community for the sake of the world. And I think that's what the fear and trembling part's about. It's not that we that we walk around with a terror of God. You know, there's a healthy fear of God, which is a respect and acknowledgement of the Lord's holiness, of course, and we've probably largely lost a lot of that in our culture, and we need to recapture that. But this, this isn't a terror like, oh no, what if I'm on the outs with God? Because we know that in the gospel, uh, God has called us no longer servants, but friends, right? We're friends of Christ. There's great assurance and confidence in that. But I think the fear and trembling really is about having a sensitivity as to what's at stake with regard to relationships within the church. Because the biblical vision is that what's at stake is way more than whether we're getting along okay in this little body. What's at stake is the witness to Christ as Lord in the world and the believability of the gospel for the rest of the world. That's what's at stake. And that's why we're called to work this thing out corporately with fear and trembling because it is way, way bigger than us. The gospel is God's thing. And the working it out in life should occur with a deep sense of awe and gratitude and an understanding of what's at stake in this whole thing, right? So we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We, we, we go to work on aligning our lives with what we say we believe. Not just all the easy boxes to check. Everything, everywhere. But, says Paul, God is so good that we don't even do this part in our own strength. In fact, we can't do it in our own strength. Look look what he says. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I mean, we work out our salvation. That's our work, our responsibility, our doing. But all the while, God is working in us to empower us for that work, to make that work possible. In this, in this verse, there's two different words used for work. Work out your salvation means to, to produce, accomplish, to bring about. This is our work. We're called to it. It's hard work. We've got to do it all the time. We've got to be on it. And then there's, it is God who works. That word means to work in so as to energize or empower. Energo is the, the Greek word. You can hear energize. It comes right from that. So God's work is the work of empowering. So the image is of us working out the implications of salvation in everyday life, but God all the while empowering us to do that very work. I mean, this is, this is amazing. This is how good God is. Not only does he love us, not only did he act on our behalf in Jesus, fulfilling all obedience to the divine law and dying in our place on the cross, but he is acting right now on our behalf. Right now. Not like after the service. Not on Monday. This very instant, God is working in us, energizing us to work out our salvation in this world, in this life, in relationships with sisters and brothers in Christ. Right now. Wow! And Paul gives us even more details. He gives us the where, the what, and the why of that empowering. Look at the text again. It is God who works in you. That's the where. By the Holy Spirit, God is working in us individually and corporately, reminding us of everything that Jesus said, guiding us into all truth. Those are two very specific things that the Holy Spirit does in us. There's a whole bunch of others you can find in John 14 and John 16. But the Holy Spirit does this in us. God is empowering us and it's happening inside of us. God is empowering us through the Holy Spirit living in us to follow Jesus in the path of greatest life. Then there's the what. To will and to act, the verse says. To will means that God is creating in us the desire to obey God, to willingly do this, not begrudgingly, not dutifully, not because we have to, not because we're supposed to, but because we want to and because we get to. He's changing our hearts. (laughs) That's the thing. And this is the deepest form of sanctification. If God wanted to, he could have snapped his fingers and made all of us instantly obey like a bunch of little robots. But that's not love. Love is engaged willingly. And God is remaking our wills to look more and more like Jesus. That's to will. And then to act. This is the same word for empowering, energo, again. So God is empowering the change of our will, empowering us not only to will, but to do something about it in following, to act. God is renewing us, rebuilding us, empowering us to desire what he desires, and what he desires is best for everybody. And that leads to the why, you know, to fulfill his good purpose. God's purpose is the renewal of all things. Jesus said it himself. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. We're included in that, by the way. So the message for the Philippians and for us is this. We're called to work out our salvation in our relationships with one another. It's our work, 
but God empowers us for the work and guides us toward his good purpose. This is God's deal from beginning to end. And then then for the Philippians, and, and for all churches, I would say, Paul translates these theoretical ideas into concrete action items. He says, do everything without grumbling or arguing, arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. From the way Paul wrote to the Philippians, it's pretty clear that even though they shared this special bond of of, uh, friendship in the message of Jesus, there was stuff going on in that church. There was a unity problem that he had to address very directly. He's coaching them, be humble, value others above yourselves. Do everything without grumbling or, or, or arguing. I mean, there are echoes here of the, the, the murmuring of the Israelites in the desert against God. The, the, it's a similar kind of word group, you know, grumbling and, and, and arguing. I'm, I'm dating myself now, but there's an older comedian named Bob Newhart who had a really funny sketch back in the day about uh, a, a, a client-therapist relationship. And uh, the client would come into his office and Newhart was sitting behind his desk and he said, my, you know, my sessions never last more than five minutes. And the client's kind of thinking, well, okay. The client shares the problem and, and Newhart says, uh, I'm going to share two words with you. I'd like you to listen very carefully so you can take these words out of my office and incorporate them into your life. Are you ready? The client's like getting on a little pad of paper, like, should I I write these down? Uh, Nope, it's just two words. We find that most people can remember them. Then Newhart kind of leans in, and he screams, stop it! which of course is completely insensitive and not what any client, client needs. But, but the humor is there. And, and Paul's dialed back a little bit. It's not quite that strong, but this is kind of a lesser version of stop it. Do everything without grumbling or arguing because evidently the Philippians grumbling had taken the form of arguing and disputing with one another in the church. And, and, and Paul says, stop it. It's not good for you. It's not good for anybody. What are you doing? But he gives them a little bit more than Newhart gave his clients. He tells them the why. So that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. The word blameless refers uh, to conduct with which one can find no fault. Uh, This is... You know, a, a posture in life, a connectedness in relationship with other people, whether they agree with you or not, they can't find anything to critique in your conduct. And pure refers not so much to being squeaky clean, it's more like purity of heart, like innocence. Remember what Jesus said oh, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I mean, this, this is about uh, the integrity of outward and inward realities, right? Outwardly, our behavior toward others is Jesus-shaped, and inwardly, there's, there's an innocence, uh, an awareness that we're not 
kind of intentionally hanging on, on to willful sin. You know, willful sin is a thing for all of us. King David acknowledges that in Psalm 19. It has power. Remember what he says in Psalm 19? May, may willful sin not rule over me. Because sin can do that. It can kind of kick God off the throne in your heart and it can kind of take the, I'm mixing metaphors now, take the wheel of the bus, start driving. I mean, just wants to take over and rule in your life. And this purity, uh, again, not by our own strength because we probably don't have the power to do this on our own. We, we need others. We need prayer. We need God's help. We need the help of other people. But there's an innocence, blameless and pure. And when you live life in that place, and none of us are there all the time, let me tell you that. When you live life in that place, we live into our identity as children of God. I mean, aligned both inwardly and outwardly to who God has declared us to be in Jesus. And in, in that place, you might have sensed it in other Christ followers whom you've experienced from time to time. In that place, there is spiritual power and authority that has absolutely nothing to do with a Christ follower kind of powering up and trying to be strong. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's when they're powering down and humbling themselves there, there is a spiritual authority that is clearly from the Lord Jesus. And that is when Christians do two things, which Paul names. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Shine like stars in the sky, meaning that, that through God's empowering by the Spirit will shine brightly in opposition to a dark world. Holding firmly to the word of life also means holding out the word of life. It's, it's a verb that means um, you're, you're kind of holding it, but in a way that you're sharing it. Uh, holding out, holding fast to the message of Jesus, the message that brings life to those who are dying. See, in that place when things are aligned, blameless and pure, there's spiritual authority, spiritual power, and there's light that shines to others, and the message of life goes out by both word and deed. So, where's God getting your attention today? Where was, where was the rub, or where was the resonance? Obedience as aligning your life to your already received identity? Did that get some traction in your heart and soul today? Did specific situations or relationships kind of flash up on the screen of your mind that you might need to pray through? How, how about the idea of working out our salvation in the church for the sake of the world? What, what does that mean for you uh, in, in current realities you're experiencing? Or what about the goodness of God in empowering us to work out our salvation, to align our lives to what we believe? Maybe it's the blameless and pure thing. You know, blameless, conduct with whom no one can find fault, and pure and innocence of, of heart. God is speaking. The Lord is speaking. Jesus made that real clear. He seemed to, seemed to say, certainly God speaks through Scripture. I, I think God speaks to us directly by the Spirit, too. Jesus seemed to indicate that his sheep know his voice, at least to the degree that we're able to make mid-course mid corrections. 
So how is God getting your attention today? What is the Lord saying to you? And what do you plan to do about it? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your goodness to us. You, you draw us to yourself. Uh, you move toward us um, when we're moving away from you. You call us back to yourself when we're going our own way entirely. And then, like the father of the prodigal son, when we turn and show just uh, a, a fleeting interest toward you, you come running to us. God, thank you for that. Whatever you're saying to us corporately and individually today, Lord, uh, empower us to hear. Help us know what you would like us to do. Or that's simply to still ourselves before you and pray whether that's to write a letter to someone or initiate a reconciliation, to reach out to someone we haven't connected with for a long time. God, just, just speak to us, please. And, um, and empower us, as you said you would, to follow you in that to which you call us. We love you, Jesus, and we give ourselves to you. Amen.